Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1293, air date August 21st, 2023. Uh, shows and all that stuff. We did the same thing in the Missouri Ozarks because, uh, you know, I'm like you when it comes to systems analysis, where I'm like, okay, so how do they squeeze you? They squeeze you with debt, with permitting, with all this stuff. So if we have our own community land based on trust, uh, you know, we can we can just sidestep it when they do the next nonsense. And so uh, I'm so, in a really good mood today. So, uh, so Owen, so so let me understand. You guys, as a community, bought land. Yeah. Well, I personally own the land. Uh huh. But because that's the only way you can really do it. But it's it's you know it's because people trust me. So for the last three years, we've had this land. Yeah. Here's a picture. I can send it to you after we had a wedding there. Yeah. You know, I just tell people, like, I'm not going to just sell it and make the money. Like, we're going to use it for bear stuff. And so we just do. It's almost like uh, like how a king was supposed to be or, like, how communism should have worked. Or, like, you know what I mean? It's like, so you have someone you can trust. And then and it was, like, $400 donations, which is the price of a comedy ticket to watch Joe Rogan humiliate himself. Is that what it is? Well, that's how much we're crowdfunding. So some people would give like. No, is that how much Rogan charges for his stupid? Four hundred dollars to go uh-huh. see that little poor plot. Yeah. Uh huh. So a lot of people could donate, and now we have a um, like a hay company. We're we, we have cows. We, we're having a festival there. Uh, Labor Day weekend, and I'd love to have you come to sometime, man. That'd be great. We have speakers and music and all this stuff, and so you know there. And that's why I really like your stream so much. I've been listening to a lot more of them is because like it has to be ground up and if you go from from like grassroots up there's really not much they can do all they can do is this like as long as we want to be in their stupid gay little groups they own us but if we don't and we just do our own thing they right. really don't have any tools you know well what's interesting is you know i went to sardinia on a science event about six months ago you know sardinia is where these people live the average uh I, it's the most per capita of people living over a hundred. So anyway, but what's interesting is so, um, uh, and the number one reason people live long is because of community it has nothing to do with food. It has nothing to do with exercise, yeah, but yeah. anyway, yeah, it's very, it's fascinating because community really supports your whole bi- biology, but 95%. So Sardinia, the people are actually a very different group of people. They consider themselves different than the Italians, but 95% of the land of Sardinia is communal land. So if you can move to Sardinia and you can say, I want to uh, have these 20 acres for sheep herding and you can just do it overnight. And, but after you use the land, it goes back to the community. And about in 2000, the Italian government wanted to seize all that land and nationalize it as national parks. So it's a massive movement that came up in Sardinia and they stopped it. But in the original model of communism, right, there was a distinction between private property and personal property. Personal property was like, you know, you made yourself a hat, that's yours. But the notion of private property, which is like owning a tree, a land, air, that was unheard of in most cultures, right? Like how the fuck do you own a land, right? So in, in true, true, even in primitive communist cultures, like, you know, like the Dravidian cultures, the Iroquois, the notion of owning property by an individual didn't make any sense, right? Because there were nomadic hunter-gatherer tribes. 
But anyway, in the Sardinian model, it was basically all communal property. And so you use it for you know the benefit of you need, and then it goes back to the community. No one ever owns the land. How do they deal with conflict? They just figure it out, man. So it's really interesting. Like in, if you look at the ancient Indian system was called the Dravidian people or the Iroquois, uh, Iroquois native, Native American systems, they had small village community cells, right? 5,000, 1,000 people and people typically led by women. It's fascinating in hunter gatherer societies, the, the model was that, you know, the men went and hunted, right? Women did sort of the gathering and education of the children and they moved. So the concept of the governance was, believe it or not, by women because it was just sort of a management function. And, um, and people always, it was by consensus in small communities and people always sorted it out. In fact, if you had a bunch of communities, small villages, there was a king. Now, the king wasn't the king in the thing that was top-down model. He was just guy some, someone was authorized to protect the boundaries of, the, of those set of villages. Yeah. So it was, it was very loosely guarded. It wasn't like what you would think about a king top-down. He was chartered by the community to make sure the borders were protected. But, you know, many of these systems, man, when you didn't have internally the notion of owning property... Uh, people focus on other, I, I think, I don't even think most, we don't even understand what it fully means to be human still. Because at a very deeply fundamental level, the day that the plow was created and domestication of animals came around, there's an argument that said that day people said, oh, this is my land. And on that same day, you had to start owning things. You know, your, your brain consciously changed. Like in ancient Dravidian culture, the language I come from in Tamil Nadu, the word my doesn't even exist. Literally in the language, it's, you don't say come to my home, you say come to our home. In like the Mongolian culture, when they had their yurts and someone came and let's say you were out hunting and someone ate all your food, you didn't say, oh, the fuck, someone ate my food. You're like very happy. Wow, someone came and ate my food. So these concepts of ownership, you know, consciously have changed a lot as we started went into the capitalist model of production, you know? And there's some- yeah, it's also kind of an illusion because as long as you have property tax, you don't actually own it anyway. It's like, it's kind of a, yeah. Cause, I, That's cause a, I own my land without any debt. And I was like, yeah, I want to own my land and I have no leverage from banks and all that stuff. And I still have to pay thousands of dollars every year to an entity or else they can literally with guns, kick me off quote unquote my land. So it isn't really my land. So then I started looking at the Amish model where, where they, they, you know, in the American system, if you do an appeal to God, like you have a church, you don't pay tax, but you still have, but see, I'm, I don't want to do anything dishonest and I don't want to run a church. Like, I don't think I know very much about, I don't want to govern anyone's theology. It's just not my role. So I just have to pay tax to the guy who actually owns the land. So I'm a serf. <laughs> so, so it's just kind of interesting. That's why. Oh, so in the Amish, so in the Amish model, they create a church and then you avoid property tax. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. They don't pay property tax. The Amish. Oh, I see. So they have, they have, a, they have a pretty sweet system because uh, I because that's why I call them the Illuminamish because everyone talks about how the Illuminati run. <laughs> I mean, you both know the Hollywood dipshits. It's like if they're running the world, there, there's just no way. Like I'm watching Elon Musk on Twitter now. I don't even think the guy's rich. I think it's all like a scam. 
you go to the, the Amish country, you're like, they own the means of production. Their communal ability is insane. They can just get like 500 guys to move a barn in an afternoon. And that's real power. That's like, yeah. they have all this gold. They own all the land. Like there's 10 year old kids like hunting and trapping and selling furs. And I'm just like, that's power. And so that's in, in the, in the, uh, the communism as, as the bad guy, it invades the right wing because I would consider myself, I, I don't believe in wings, you know, I'm kind of past the binary, but like I would consider myself more right wing for most things, but there's a big boogeyman in the right wing community that is communal because and me and Vox Day who uh, do unauthorized.tv talked about that right in the beginning. We're like, let's make a team. The right wing sucks at teams like the right wing is like the, the lone wolf dies alone. And it's just like crazy how quickly people lone wolf. Like you won't agree on one topic, just minor. And it's like, bang, I gotta go do my own thing. I gotta go, and I'm like, you're gonna get picked off. Like the left, for all the immorality and all the shit that they do, one thing that they're good at is like, you know, having these group chats and they all stick together and they all kind of climb on. and. And I understand how someone could argue that the right wing is more aimed at truth, so you're never going to have a team if you're true. But that's why I tell people to like trust people that you trust their intention. You don't have to have the same opinion, but are they trying to do good, true, beautiful? Like, do, do you trust that they're that they're not lying to you? Then you can be friends and work together because you know we really do need to make some teams here. And what we've accomplished in the bear community. With uh, you know, crowdfunding land, having our own social media, having our own all this stuff um, through theological debates, and me not believing in the moon landing, and all this stuff that like rubs people the wrong way, has been great. And I just and I, I know you were talking about Sardinia. It's so funny. One of my listeners, because we talked about that last time, was like, "Bro, shut up about Sardinia. I live there. Don't fucking tell everybody." <laughs> oh, you didn't want because people. Like, yeah. He's like. He's like, if all the California gay guys go, it's not going to be great anymore. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because in Sardinia, there's a the the far northeast, which is called Costas Esmeralda, which has, you know, I didn't even bother going there, which is like these two five billion dollar yachts would pull up. And it's a very sterile place. South yeah. of that is a place called Oliastra, where people live to very, you know, and they have all these communities. And south of that is NATO U.S. testing grounds. So, so where they use uranium tipped missiles and 67% of the shepherds all have cancer. So like thyroid cancer? All sorts of cancer, right? Um, but right above that is where people are living the oldest. So it's fascinating, this contradiction, right? The US and NATO go there and they fuck up the whole land there. Above that, where people are living in their traditional settings, people are living to how many ever years old, right? Very strong. And then above that, you have all the Hollywood pricks who come there and just have made it a sterilized community. But you can literally see all these three worlds in one little island, you know, community. Um, so we live in a very, very interesting time because the, the, I mean, getting back to this discussion of quote unquote communism, right? If, if very few people have actually read Marx's works, you know, if you read Marx's works in the first chapter of Das Kapital, it's not that different than what Adam Smith said. They, these guys were all classical liberals. Um, and what they were saying was there's a creator and then there's you 
And then how do you connect with your creator and unleash your creativity? Now, in Das Kapital, Marx actually says we should the state should not exist. That means government and that the state should wither away. So when he was 95% of Marx's work was retrospectively looking at shit, you know? And so he went back to hunter-gatherer societies and then to feudal societies. And then he was living in sort of industrial capitalism. And his observations are pretty insightful, man. If you really think about what he observed, the biggest contribution I think Karl Marx made was this interesting notion that our own consciousness is not something that comes out of the ether, but it's directly related to the productive forces of how we actually produce goods and services. So if you are a hunter, oh, yeah. you see what I'm saying? So if we yeah. lived in hunter-gatherer times, you didn't have in your consciousness the concept of owning property. It wasn't even, and if you look at some of the poems by the Native Americans, the concept of owning land is not even in there. And like, what the fuck are you talking about owning shit? Because you're moving, right? Your productive way that you make something is moving, hunting, gathering. The day that we created the plow and, and domesticated animals, on that day, someone said, this is my land. And the strong guy owned it. And, and believe it or not, some people argue that the societies during hunter-gatherer, they have a lot of evidence for polygonist societies, where women had multiple mates. And then when we went into this hunter, the feudal society became polygamous, right? Because a man wanted to own his land and he said, it's my land and this land is my land and therefore I must have people to inherit my land. And then the concept of the last name comes. Like in the Dravidian culture I grew up in, and there is no last name. It's still the remnants of that. So my name is just Shiva. And when we came here, we didn't have a last name. So we had to take my dad's first name and make it my last name. But you still have remnants of these cultures, right, where they just had one name. But I think Marx's observations were right on target when he said that as we, the, how we produce goods and services affect our, our consciousness. And so he identified those hunter-gatherer societies as primitive communist societies. And so when he was projecting into the future, he said, okay, we live under industrial capitalism. There will be a time when working people will seize the means of production. But he was very, very specific on what he meant by the proletariat. And he wrote another essay called The Lumpen Proletariat, which many people have forgotten about. The lumpen proletariat he identified were people who were criminals, who didn't work for a living, who lived off welfare, the welfare state. And then the proletariat were actually people who actually did physical labor, like the Amish, you know, plowing yeah. land, making stuff, etc. And what's happened, I think, over the last, uh, when Marx died, Engels said the worst people in the world are Marxists. Because Marxists redefined proletariat to mean the lumpen proletariat. So to yeah, Bernie, yeah, yeah. right? You, know, you see what I'm saying? So to, yeah, the, the, what's that? It's so sneaky how things get redefined over and over again. Like, you know, um, like they make it seem like the dependent welfare class owns the like owns the state when that isn't possible and leads to tyranny. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the term racist originally was anti-Indian. Like, do you know the history of the word racist back in the Civil War, where if a if an Indian culture or a Native American culture wanted to do their own thing, like they wanted to keep their way of life, their language, this this one general named General Pratt called them racist, where they, they put their race above, you know, joining the whites and like, 
and how that's been so flipped. And oh, you're saying like, they called the Native Americans racist because they didn't want to join the whites. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. They were putting their race above, uh, you know, the Congress. And then they would say, kill the Indian, save the man. And it's flipped completely where it's now the exact opposite. Where Because that's why by the classical definition of racist, I would be considered racist, but I'm not a white supremacist. Like, I don't think... I don't even know how to define race, but I do think people have a right to have a language, a way of life. Uh, like the Sardinians should not just be forced to be Italian. You know, you know, like they should have a way of life. But then the problem is when you say, my blood makes me magic and special and I should rule the world. And the irony, of course, is that <laughs> the one group of people that claim that are also the ones that keep calling everyone else racist. And Let's just say their hats are very small. Um, I don't know. I just think that's all. Well, what's right. what's interesting? No, no. <laughs> actually, you know, Owen, I did a the the scumbag Booby F. And Kennedy was yeah. supporting Zionism, right? He yeah, wanted yeah, basically yeah. he he that, dude that made all the truthers say like there was truthers I was listening to that were loving Bobby Kennedy, and I didn't turn on him because. I, I, I do the whole, like, I trust your intention thing. Like, I, I, I'm not dividing anymore. If I like someone, I'm not just going to be like, oh, you like Bobby Kennedy, I'm out. But over time, they all have turned on him. And the main thing was that freaking Zionist thing when he was just lathering and slobbering all over that Israeli guy. That was fucking despicable. Well, yeah, yeah, and the stuff that he was saying was from the 1940s racist shit against the Palestinians. It wasn't yeah, crazy. Yeah, crazy. But getting back to this interesting with race, and it's related to nationalism, right? There was some very, very, you know, in the 1920s, when they were political movements developing, they used to have these amazing discourses. There's a very famous discourse between Rosa Luxemburg and Lenin on this. Um, when Finland wanted to become its own country, they wanted to separate from the Soviet Union. A lot of people forget Lenin was all for it because he said the rights of national self-determination. So there's two types of nationalism. One can become what you're calling the Zionist model. Um, one form of nationalism says, hey, look, we are Sardinians. We have our own language. We believe we should have our own physical geography, our own state, right? And we want to break from some form of oppression, colonialism, right? Or imperialism. So that was seen as progressive nationalism. There is another form of nationalism says, let's go back to the good old days when we got to hang the hang people and lynch people, right? Hey. Right? This concept of an of a of a regressive cultural nationalism. And so it's it's two different kinds of nationalism. And there were very important discussions distinguishing these. So this comes into the question, and you can look at the parallels in the 1800s um, when when you know black people in the United States were saying, hey, look. We're, we were brought up as slaves here, um, and what do we do? So one set of people said, well, we deserve the right to fight here and fight for our rights, right? Another group of people said, uh, you know, like a, a forward progressive nationalism, like, hey, I'm black, I'm proud of it. You know, I built this country, I deserve certain resources. Another set of people were into cultural nationalism. And that was like Marcus Garvey. And he's saying, okay, you know, we don't like the white man. Let's go back to our original ways, back to Africa, back to Egypt, you know, like um, bringing up all this uh, visions of grandeur when black people ruled the world in Africa. Right. Forgetting that black people also had slaves. Right. So Marcus Garvey actually got ships to go back to Africa, like Liberia. 
And there were actually a whole bunch of black people who went back to Liberia. And that's cultural nationalism, which is a form of racism in some sense, saying we're superior to other, these other people, right? So, but we're gonna go back to our homeland. And that's the same world of Theodore Herzl. What people forget is, you know, the, the quote unquote, people uh, who practice the Jewish religion in Europe were actually there for 300 years. And some people, the DNA studies have shown that they were Khazarians who had nothing to do with the genetic people of the region of where Jesus Christ came from. That these people were frankly from the Ukrainian region. In fact, a biologist from Israel did all the analysis that they were Khazarians, were basically quote unquote white Europeans and they're not Semites. And, and they're not the Semites. The Palestinians are actually Semites. Yes, and they were Jews. They were Arab Jews, yeah. many of them. And so, yeah, and the, and the classic flip, they make everything the opposite. Yeah, so, 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 it, so but th consider this situation. You are a European Jew in Germany. And if you look at, there were various sets of European Jews. Some of them were the elites, you know, were, you know, who were, having a shitload of money and they were assholes. There were another piece of a group of people who are like working class Jews, in fact, trade union leaders. And what people remember in Germany, people for many, many years from the Marxist tradition were thinking that the workers revolution was gonna occur in the highest industrialized nation, which is Germany. So everyone was expecting the socialist revolution was gonna occur in Germany. And there were many working class Jews who were organizing trade union leaders in a very progressive way. Hitler went after those guys, funded by US imperialism, which people forget. And then there were these other Jews who were felt it feeling discriminated. And Herzl, Theodore Herzl, like Marcus Garvey, took those people and said, okay, yeah, we must go back to our homeland. Not like what would have been the progressive nationalism. Hey, we have a, we're actually white European Jews, we're here. This is our land, we should fight for our rights, which is what people like Malcolm X and others said, right? But what Herzl did, Owen, was he basically made up this shit. He said, oh, there's, you know, Zionism. He created it. And his first choice was Uganda. That's where they deemed Israel was supposed to be. Second, I think they had many choices. One of them was actually Texas, Southwest Texas. Yeah, in Arizona. Yeah, Ari those, yeah. Those all, all these different places. But the the british being who the british were to divide and rule they said no no we're going to put you here where these arab jews were there who were palestinians people forget a lot of people don't know arab is a race and judaism is a religion yeah, exactly. there were many yeah. arab jews who were the original you could call the hebrews of that region and they're really nice too like uh i know some palestinians and Historically, they were insanely welcoming, and that's why it's it's really a shame what happened there. Very much like, like the Native Americans. Yeah, it's very despicable what Bobby Kennedy was saying because, you know, they were just flooding that region with the Gazarian types, and they were, like, very welcoming, and then they just took their houses and put them in fucking concentration camps. It's, like, it's, it's no different than what happened to the Native Americans, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so and that's exactly what happened. And then many of those Arab Jews converted to Islam. And I don't think we know the full extent of the numbers of how many Arab Jews were there, Palestinian Arab Jews, who then converted to Islam because of the abuse that they endured. And there's some there's this very interesting movie uh, that was a propaganda movie promoting Zionism said, oh, this 
see this world is all desert and we built all the vineyards and the guy accidentally pans to the left and you see beautiful fertile land done by the Palestinians. So I think what's happened is Zionism is racism in the service of British colonialism, now British imperialism. There is a place known as Israel and then there is these people called the Jewish people. And what the Zionists have done is conflated all three together and mixed it all fucking up together, right? Is that on purpose or are they just like dickheads? Or no, no, they it's dumb or is it intentional? No, I think it's very intentional, right? It's intentional because you needed to, you know, look, I went to a, in my last three years, my parents moved to a wealthy public school, which was Livingston High School in New Jersey. Uh, Chris Christie was my catcher there. You know, it's now the fat fuck who's running for president now. But but uh, it was predominantly all Jews. And when me and my sister showed up there, we were the two darkies among 4,000 Jewish kids. And I noticed in the summer, like around junior high school, the parents would send their kids to Israel. And these are like really nice kids. After they went that summer, they fucking come back fucking crazy, man. They wanted to kill every fucking Palestinian, right? Yeah. Annihilate everyone who was Arab. You literally saw this change in them. So what I'm saying is that parents literally indoctrinated them that this physical place called Israel, their Jewish faith and Zionism were all together. And they come back saying, you know, I'm a Zionist wearing these little stickers. So little gold, little gold star stickers. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, this conflation was done, I think purposefully. In a, in You're gonna a kick out of this, dude. I, so they have all these Jewish camps in America for rich kids. And I used to work in the warehouse in Newark, New Jersey. Like my background is pretty like blue collar. Oh, really? So, what, what part of Newark? Oh, and what year were you there? It was, it, it was in the uh, late 90s. I uh -huh. don't remember the place. It was in the it was in the middle of no. It was like really poor area. Just this yeah. giant warehouse. And so this dude started a business where he would go door to door to all the rich Jews house and they'd each get two hockey bags and they'd bring it to Newark. And me and a bunch of Mexicans would stack them into giant pyramids, swear to God pyramids. It's like laughable. And I used to, I, I tell people I used to be enslaved by the Phoenicians. And so I would just be hauling like a slave, all these <laughs> Jewish bags and stacking. And the guy who ran the business was like, and they're all like Kazarian type Jews. And he used to stand on top of the pyramids and be like, you are my slaves. He was being funny, but it was still really trippy. And every one of these bags, they'd always have like porno magazines and inhalers in them. Like there were some weak physical. Wait a minute. What was it? It was a warehouse. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there's like a hundred Jew camps all over America where all these rich Jewish kids go to exclusively Jewish camps and they learn their indoctrination and how to do the system and all that but they don't carry their own bag. So it was my job literally to sort. So, so like they go to Long Island, like NASA Long Island, and they go door to door and pick up their bags, bring them to Newark, and then we'd stack them, uh, and then we'd ship them off to the Jewish camps. And so that's one reason why I don't think I was very indoctrinated to the whole Jewish thing, even in Hollywood, is because like I worked the physical <laughs> proletariat side of that where I was – I was their slave, pretty much. I was making like $8 an hour. I was living at a uh, Holiday Inn. And I thought it was really funny. Like, I, I learned a lot from it. But it was like, within America, there's this entire network of, like, training their kids how to work the system. And 
hey, this kid's a senator. Here's a congressman. He works at the at, at Wells Fargo, and and they all just make these connections, and then uh -huh. they just, you know. And so I've known that since I was I was a teenager, and I just thought that that was really funny. Oh, so 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 these were camps where kids went to network, learn how to be quote unquote successful in the and they were only Jews, yeah, yeah, in, in the system, and then these bags were their camp bags that you used to store for them. Yeah, and I carried for them, and yeah. they were filled with yeah, you know, and, and like every time, like the Mexicans would sometimes look in the bags, uh, looking for pornos. And the amount of porno magazines and inhalers used to make me laugh. I just picture these like weak little kids, like, oh no! And then those are the same kids right now writing for Rolling, writing for Rolling Stone and all yeah. these magazines, calling me a racist. You know, I'm like, you guys suck well, so bad. Like, I know what you are. Like, you know. Well, the best analysis I ever saw was Zionism is racism in the service of imperialism, and it pretty yeah, much says there you go. That's great. it. Pretty much says it all. You know. And exactly so it. I, I, I'm not into imperialism or empires. Like I, I just like like the Germans should be able to wear lederhosen and, and do their thing. Like I'm not into like, oh, we get to go to India and get the spices because we're better. You know, I'm not into that at all. And that's the irony is is these Zionist imperial types, the way they they do it in plain sight is they call everyone else racist. And then they're just the most racist ever, but it's like a psychotic, dark type of racism. Yeah, and I, I think I think Owen, if the so so if you go back at that time in the 1940s, right? Britain was running the world, right? Colonialism. So they would literally go into Africa, and you know, if you look at Africa, the the kings of Africa had very you know they had their boundaries. If they had a war, they'd fight, right? but they knew their boundaries. And when British colonialism came there, they just randomly drew lines. They just fucking just randomly <laughs> created yeah, yeah. nation states and all these people start fighting among each other. And that's what Britain wanted because once you have those kinds of fights, you can pit one group against the other and own resources. And that's why Britain moved these Khazarian Zionists over to this strategic area. They wanted to create this fight because if you think about where Israel is, it's a very strategic area. So they literally it's the center of the chessboard. Yeah. Exactly. So they moved these people there, created this fight. You know, to, so you know what I said with people. People ask me, okay, you're running for president. What's your position on Israel? My position is very simple: that the United States government should completely cut all funding to that region. Let them figure it out. Because as long as any money is flowing in there, those people don't have an opportunity, whether you're a Jew, right? Or a Palestinian or, you know, whatever you want to call the different sets of people there, figure shit out. And that's what's actually happened. That if the United States, because, you know, all the people I know who are Jewish, they always commend themselves on how smart they are. So if we're so fucking smart, why do you need the United States? You can, you can be completely self-sufficient. So my position is, okay, let's cut all funding to Israel and cut all funding to that whole region. Let them fucking kill themselves and figure the shit out. Um, and and I, because you find even, I mean, I went to Israel for about six weeks on this science trip. There are people in Israel who are anti-Zionist. It's fascinating. Tons. Right? Yeah, there's tons of Jews in my chat right now that agree with everything we're saying because they're actually being front run as the bag men for this whole operation. Exactly. 
Exactly. So that's, that's why I, I break them up into three groups. Like, you know, you're talking about the different types of di- like we come, we came up with a uh, war Jews, sodomy Jews, and deli Jews. So the uh-huh. deli Jews are always the ones left holding the bag. Yeah, yeah, they're they're the hardworking Jews. They actually work. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they're the ones that are in my chat right now. That right. Are like they're starting to get a little worried because the sodomy Jews and the war Jews are are like they keep saying Jews. But yet they're no longer relating to these people at all. And they're like, like the ADL almost appears like they hate Jews. Like they almost are. I didn't even have a notion that there was something. No, no, but, 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 but let me stop you right there. The Zionists actually hate the Jews. Do you know in, in, yeah, in yeah, yeah, do you know sure. World War during when Hitler was in Germany, there was a huge battle in, in the war. It's called the Warsaw Ghetto. Jews were fighting Nazis. And the Zionists disarmed the Jews. So we have to get this very clear. Yeah, Zionists hate the Jews. Yeah. They do. They hate anybody that believes in God, pretty much. Because the best way to be an imperialist power is to have no sense of self or, like, higher uh, creator. So, you know, anybody with a history or a sense of God, they also hate Muslims. You know, they're like... Like the Muslim prayer, the Muslim, uh, you know, uh, banking system, the Muslim revulsion to pornography. Like they, the, the Zionist really does not like any empowered person. They like people to be addicted to pornography, in debt, you know, atheistic, hate, mm. self-hatred, all that stuff. And a lot of Jews aren't like that. A lot of Jews have a long history and they they have their ways of life and they like have a culture. And so... It's almost like I'm a I make cheese and you know we milk our cows and all that and our goats and it's so similar to cheese making they even call it culture like we so like to burn milk and kill the culture to homogenize it is what they're trying to do so you have all these unique cultures and the 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 factory farm the imperialist wants to burn all the culture so that you have just this white goo you know yeah it's fascinating but I think. I think, you know, when it comes to Zionism, a friend of mine who's a, who's a Jewish professor, in fact, my sixth grade teacher was Jewish, Mr. Roth, and he was a Delhi Jew. He literally ran a deli and he was in World War II, fought for <laughs> yeah. this country, he was a working class Jew. Yeah. And, you know, and those Jews are very different than the Jews who live in Long Island, for example, right? A very different kind of... Judaism and most of those Jew, quote unquote Jews are Zionists. You know, they want, they have no idea. Many of them have no idea of Israel, but they just want to kill every Arab. They just have this crazy idea in them to destroy, you know, Arab people, period, for some and reason. Psyops are why, that's one reason why I'm so passionate about breaking spells is because I briefly had those feelings because of quote unquote 9 11 and quote unquote all these things. There was a time when I really thought that that Arabs were sneaking around the corners just waiting to take my freedom and blow me up. And like, now that I'm totally out of that spell, I really want to help other people with it. Because that because a lot of these uh, quote unquote Jews are like tormented by, you know, their Holocaust programming from Steven Spielberg and, you know, the 9-11 programming and, and the Hamas programming. And it's all just like a theater production to get them in that lowered state of fear and, and like imperial racism. And, you know, that's why I like to make fun of it. I like to make fun of the Holocaust museums. Like I just, you know, like the piles of shoes is so stupid. And so 
to make fun of it has gotten me a lot of heat. But, um, you know, I think it's very helpful because I've had dudes write me like, uh, you know, before your stream, I was like on all these pills. I didn't understand. Like, I thought everyone wanted to kill me. And now I have a kid, I have a garden, you know, like it really damages the, the people that are in that spell. Like they really, like they go to Israel on birthright and they even offered that to me. And I'm a six foot eight blue eyed Nordic looking guy, but because I had a grandmother with some Kazarian blood in her, they were like, oh, you get to go too if you want, free trip. And I didn't go, thank God. But uh, they, they go there and they, and they go down this like, you know, tunnel of horror and they get programmed and they come home like fucking monsters, you know? Well, what's interesting is the other people that get drawn into this and taken advantage of are the right wing evangelical Christians. So yeah, yeah, yeah. the right, they're, even, they're, they're the worst, it, not the worst. I don't mean that. I don't mean to be a dick, but like, well, what I'm yeah. saying is they get manipulated. So many of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you take the right wing evangelicals, it's really fucked up. They have some weird view of Christ who was a Jew, who is it actually, he would have looked like an Ethiopian Jew, right? If you, you know, and, uh, how dare you? He was a tall blue eyed angel. Anyway, go on. Anyway, but if you look, don't care what anybody even looks like. Yeah, but 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 I'm saying there being some someone that they probably would not identify with, right? But right. the evangelicals are taught to this concept of the homeland called Israel and to kill all the Arabs. Many of them want to kill all the Arabs, but then they have this view about Christ, and Christ was nothing about that. So the contradictions are quite amazing, you know. So. What we decided to do, you know, when part of the educational model running for president, Owen, is to hit the right from the right and hit the left from the left. So what I mean by that is if you are truly a Christian, which the right wingers claim they are, talk all this Christian stuff, right? It's a very it's a it's an awesome opportunity to expose that, right? Because if you are truly a Christian, and you actually listen to the words of Christ, or you actually want to live the words of Christ, how the fuck could you say that you support the subjugation of the Palestinian people? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't compute, right? Yeah, or Israel, the country that they brag in the Jerusalem Post that Tel Aviv is the gayest country in the world with the most sodomy, and it's like, it, it, it's insane. Is that true? Like, I, I, yeah. Oh, I didn't it's, know that. But but what yeah, I'm saying no, is... It's, like the, they're, they're, it's the, one of the most atheist and gay cities in the world. I had no they idea. Brag, they brag about it. They, they claim that they have the right from a God they don't believe in to live there. And it's it's like that's why they say in the Bible about the, the father of lies being the Satan. You do kind of see it in the swarm where it's like almost every single thing they say is the exact opposite of like what reality is. Like a lot of these Muslims are more Christian, quote unquote. Like they follow the words of Christ way more than the quote unquote Christians like. There's all these huge evangelical Christians that divorce their wives. They're all on meth. They lie all the time. They don't realize this, you know, that they're warmongers. They, they, and meanwhile, all these Muslims are just like living their lives, just having big families, just praying five times a day. It's just the irony is so strong that as a comedian, it's almost like I can't even write the jokes anymore. I'm like, you're doing the joke, you know? <laughs> well, that's why I'm saying when fucking Booby F and Kennedy yeah. is sitting there talking, running in the Democrat Party, which claims that they're for diversity and all this, then supporting Zionism and the stuff that he was saying 
was just like 1940s propaganda. And fundamentally, anyone who supports Zionism is basically saying they support the military industrial complex because it's a war machine. It's the tip of the spear of the war machine, right? Yeah, and absolutely. because the goal is to perpetuate this dispute there forever. The goal is never to resolve it because as long as that dispute's going on, you can keep justifying immense amounts of military dollars going in there. So um, that's why, you know, when, when he came out that we said Zionism is racism in the service of imperialism, because it pretty much those words really captured for anyone. And if you're, that's perfect. Yeah, if you're Jewish, you, a friend of mine who was Jewish, he said, the issue of Zionism is black or white. You have to take a position against Zionism if you're a Jew, if you're truly Jewish and you believe in the Jewish faith. You can't be like wishy-washy because Zionism has nothing to do with Judaism. You don't even have to be a Jew to be a Zionist. Not only does it not, the Jews believe, like they firmly believe that they don't have a right to a homeland until the Mashiach. So even in their religion, they're against the existence of Israel. Like that's the irony is they're, and I, I'm not even against the existence of Israel. I'm against exactly what you described, that we use it. Like it, other people can do their thing. I'm not into imperialism. Like I don't want to battle other people's monsters. So it's like if they want to do their little thing, that's their business. But like I don't like that America just bleeds its resources and its blood and its propaganda for these this foreign country. You know, that's what I'm against. Yeah, uh, but it's fascinating. Oh, and the right wing working class mid, you know, uh, salt of the earth evangelicals get swooped into supporting Zionism. Yeah, it's like it's just weird. Program. I know some guys that are diehard and I'm like, you know better, but they just do. It's weird. But the left does the same, too. So on the left, the quote unquote, the left, which talks about supporting the working class they get suckered in by the Bernie Sanders and all the people on the left support Zionism too. So it's it's like almost Zionism is where the left and the right both meet. The left wing and the right <laughs> wing both concur on Zionism, right? That's nuts. Yeah. So I, I think there's a big opportunity to educate people on this. And I think Zionism is racism. The service of imperialism is where you start with and you explain to people that. And if people can get that, it, you can get people out of this... Uh, hypnotism that's been taking place to America because there's, I think there's a whole set of people who want to break from this shit. Because, oh, tons. Yeah. People are seeing this shit because the American spirit isn't supposed to be imperial. Like we're yeah. maybe, maybe British is because it's a little Island. I don't know. I, it's like it's islands. I don't know, but America, our spirit is not, it, it, it's supposed to be self-sufficient and stay here. Like, we had to be tricked into every war. So I don't, I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't like what's happened to the American empire. It got co-opted by the Anglo-Israeli DC little triangle there. And hopefully it just starts breaking down. It seems like it's breaking down naturally because of entropy though. Uh, Owen, do you know, when I was in Israel, I went, I got invited to the, uh, this, this interesting dinner. And the guy that was at the head of the table was this very orthodox. I'm not even going to say Jew, orthodox, whatever, right? He had all the gear on, you know? <laughs> he was geared up. He was geared up. And then he tells me, he goes, you know, he goes, we have two souls and you only have one soul. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, they say that shit to me too. Yeah. Oh, do you know this? 
So they say yeah, they say right. that they say that you're actually animals and you have two one soul. At best, you can be human, but you're still an animal. But we have two souls. We can actually be one with God. So I never knew this. Like this is a foundational understanding. Is this? I learned this in 2016, and soon after, I was kicked off PayPal. Yeah, because I was so blown away. Wait, is that true? Shit. I was like, dude, the Talmud will say stuff, and I again, I'm fine with the Jewish religion, all you guys, but there's sections of it that say that the goyim are closer to the cow than uh, we are to the Jew, and they and they consider it a race and a blood, like not a faith it's like blood it's like magic blood and then they find out i have some of the magic blood in me and they're like oh but you kind of get it and i'm like i want nothing to do with this you guys sound fucking like insane you know and so I, that's why it can't last because and if you look at them this is another theory i want to throw by you too is doesn't it look like the people who marry and procreate for money and power they just keep looking more and more like gremlins because they keep marrying their first cousins, like the Habsburgs did this and a few other yeah. dynasties. And, and they're now, the Chosen are now becoming these, like, they look crazy to me. And so you look at Chuck Schumer and his quote-unquote wife, and, and I'm not trying to sound judgmental at all. I'm just like, if you're that powerful, why would you, why would you marry someone that literally looks like a guy? Like, I just don't get it. And it's and then someone explained it to me that it's like their fortunes get merged and they marry for like power consolidation. Like the Rothschilds, they all marry basically like their sister and shit. And then it gets to a point where the Habsburgs were doing this for like hundreds of years. They couldn't even talk. Like they're uh. right. so I think the end of, of this this horseshit that these people are doing, like if you value money and power and status and titles and magic blood over the good, the true, the beautiful, you literally end up, your offspring end up like severely retarded. You know what I mean? And you're seeing it in their face. Like they look like, they literally look like the gremlins from uh, Harry Potter, you know? Like the goblins. Yeah, so so in India, there's a Brahmins, okay? Similarly, yeah. some people, you know, and there's a certain look that they start having. Almost reptilian, okay? <laughs> and, but... I think what's happening now is they're probably realizing that. And that's why in that swarm video, they're becoming a multiracial global group, you know, but they still marry among themselves. And yeah. if you look right now I, um, at Elon Musk, Fucker Carlson, this dude, Vivek, Jared Kushner. So it's becoming a multiracial Brahmanical swarm. And they all support each other. And Kennedy's in there, too. So the swarm is essentially realizing that they need to become internationalist to probably clean up their bloodline a little bit. And you yeah. see that happening right now, right? Uh, but you, you notice that they all support each other and it's become, they're, the globalists are essentially becoming global because they're realizing they're going to have problems genetically. And I think they're- Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why they, it's hitting the Jews the hardest though because they won't let go. Like the Rothschilds won't even, I was doing a stream where I'm like, let in some Sephardics, like just a couple. Just get somebody in there because they're yeah. getting so reptilian, man. And I'm sure the Brahmin, yeah. Like is the Brahmins, Kshatrian, is that under that? You got Brahmin. Yeah, so what you have is you have the Nambudri Brahmins, which is what this dude Vivek is. And we should talk about that. This dude fucking, I call him Vivek the snake. 
Okay, Vivek, the snake. I've never heard him talk. I avoid all this shit. But yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, he is the Brahmin of the Brahmins. And so, if I were in India, they'd probably spit at me. Okay, because we're like the lowest of the low. Now, what's interesting is everything is about money and power. And what was recently revealed, and I asked, is this true? Is that apparently it was discovered, and we should go. I'm going to do all the research on this, and. Uh, Apparently, this fucker went and found a drug. Think, think about what he did. So GSK, you know, the big pharma company, had yeah. created a drug for Alzheimer's. So just to let people know how a drug goes through the clinical trials, is they take a drug, they have to do what's called phase one clinical trials with small sets of people. If it succeeds, then they go to phase two, and then you go to phase three. If it makes it through phase three, then it becomes a blockbuster, quote unquote, a blockbuster drug. Anyway, so GSK had claimed they had found a drug and they called it, I don't know, XYZ123. They had done four clinical trials, Owen, and all of them failed. Okay, failed, failed drug. This fucking Brahmin, Vivek the snake, Vivek the snake, starts some biotech company, goes and buys this drug from GSK, a failed drug for five million bucks. All right? Then, again, four clinical studies, which had failed, which a clinical studies where they take, you know, give the drug to like 500 people, 1,000 people, it fails. He takes one of those clinical studies, has his mother, it's a true story, or that's what's purported. We should go verify it, okay? Apparently had his mother, who's a physician, take one of those clinical studies of the failed drug, look at all the data and reanalyze it, double quotes. How does she reanalyze it? It's called a completer analysis. So out of the 700 people who apparently went through the drug trial, threw away all the people who didn't complete it. And the reason some people didn't complete the trial was because they were getting adverse effects, right? Yeah, so yeah. out of the people who completed the trial, said, oh my God, it's an amazing drug. Read, just reanalyze the data. Then puts that drug in a new company, changes the name of the drug, and takes it public, raises billions of dollars, sells an equity piece of it where he cashes out 50 million, and then they had to really do another clinical study, right? Waits two years after he's cashed out, the clinical trial occurs, fucking the drug doesn't work, the stock loses 99% of its value. That's a fucking Brahmin asshole, okay? Yeah, yeah, totally. All right? No different than some, <laughs> right? Now, no one, fucker Carlson interviews him, doesn't talk about it because he's part of the Brahmin circle. Elon Musk is promoting this fuel because Elon Musk also grew up in the Brahmin circle of South Africa. Jared Kushner is his friend. Joe Rogan, right? All these people are supporting, you see, they're a multiracial, Brahmanical, Zionist, hoodlum group now. It's like Brahmin, Zionism, it's all, you can just reuse these words. Brown, and they had to go find this brown guy because they had to hide, you know, to try to cover from any views that I would get. So it's so engineered. So my point- yeah, I, I thought of that, I'm like- Oh yeah, dude, that's why they did it. And he yeah, literally yeah, steals like, my- to do a fake Shiva. Because they tried, they tried to roll a guy out like, that was a lot like me 
Uh, they do that all the time. Yeah. Who like was they even it? had someone speaking at the trucker rally named Big Bear. There was some tall, and I'm like, who was this, Owen? When was this? They, when they were doing the trucker rally for that that oh, Canadian it, yes, thing. Yes. Yeah. And I was telling people not to go. I always tell people these things are traps. I'm like, stay away from their things. Like, don't go to January 6th. Don't go to any of these rallies. Like, if you have these amount of people, get together, build cabins, you know, do your own thing. And one of the guest speakers was named Big Bear. And I'm like, and he had a beard. He's a giant white guy with a beard. And then he just disappeared right after. And I'm just like, these fucking people do this all the time. And me and my friend have this uh, theory that they, like, that's why we're unauthorized.tv because we haven't been authorized by the swarm. They want an authorized version of the not, kind of like what you were explaining last time about the digital ghetto where they, they look at what your audience likes about you. And then they do this like mimicked, ghost <laughs> and the thing i have a hope for is that i think our audiences can see through that shit and you know it won't work on them that i think that that works much more on uh low consciousness people you know? well that's what's going on owen i mean what i titled this talk was knowing the di difference between men versus boys bullshitters versus real warriors and i think what's happening is that the establishment knows that there's a real movement going to come bottoms up. So they are literally creating these avatars of people like you and I. So Vivek, the snake, Vivek, the snake, right? He's a snake, has been created because this brown guy was getting a lot of views. So they literally find things. They must, they must do the CIA psyop analysis. Okay, we need a guy with a beard, bear-looking six-foot-eight guy because he's getting some influence, right? A brown, dark guy. So they literally go, it's a casting call. So they literally- totally. I got a picture right here. I'm just putting up, Kyle just gave it to me. Yeah. I don't know if you can see it or not, but they literally just have this giant white guy with like some beard and a bear on his shirt with a, <laughs> with a, a blazer and a t-shirt. And he goes into, it's just such horse shit. Yeah. And he has no actual audience. They just, they, they pace, mimic, and then- and then try and take your shit. So like, yeah, even the name Vivek versus, you know, VA, you know, Shiva. yeah. And then, and then they, pay, and then they're like, Oh, this guy, he's the guy fighting big pharma, but yet he's like a big pharma shill. And you know, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. So what's interesting is they went and found a South Indian guy. Right. And if you notice, I mean, you, you came from the world of CAA, right? You typically you, you, most, um, you know, if you're an author or an artist, you have a publicist. And those publicists' job is to make sure you're getting regular publicity. If you go look at the New York Times, this guy is there every week. Why would you promote, if you're the New York Times, why would you be promoting a quote-unquote right-wing Republican? And there's a lot of Brahmins who are in the New York Times. New York Times is run by Zionists and Brahmins. That's who runs the New York Times. And it's really interesting. If you look at Brahmins and Zionists, they look very similar physiognomy wise they really really do talk about chuck schumer the way you act changes your face well you know in the in, there's an indian text called samudrika lakshanam lakshanam in tamil means like someone basically that you, you say you can look at someone's face and say who they are right so samudrika lakshanam is face reading now if as below as above right right 
if your face reflects your organ systems and your spiritual nature, I think it's absolutely true, man. Because in yeah. all cultures, the face reflects you. I mean, these people, like many of these Brahmins who are really into, and by the way, Brahmin in the original word, in the original ancient text, and this way they was meant to be someone who was devout to God, who was truly a seeker of truth, and was also a warrior. And it wasn't supposed to be by birthright. You you got those by merit. And what yeah. so what happened was now you get this birth lottery, right? Um, you know, like rabbi, right? Rabbi was someone who was a learned person who achieved that through his works. So Brahmin in the original model was someone who bottoms up achieved these things. And later on, it ended up becoming something that you were just born into. You, you, let's say you're a Brahmin and your son gets to be a Brahmin. That's not what it was supposed to be. Or you're, you were cleaning toilets and your son has to clean toilets the rest of his life. That was the caste system. But that wasn't how it was originally supposed to be. In fact, the caste system, Owen was breaking down by the 1600s. When the British came to India, they actually reimposed the caste system, because there was a huge movement in the eighth century in India saying, if there's equality in heaven, why isn't there equality on earth? Very much like the Protestant Reformation movement. And that movement by the 1500s, the caste system was breaking up. And the British really enjoyed the caste system because it created a beautiful stratified society like they liked in Victorian Britain, right? So they actually reimposed, so a lot of these idiot Indians don't even understand that the caste system was reimposed by the quote unquote white man. You know, and they still practice it. But everyone needs to understand this fucking dude, Vivek, is no different than the Zionist. His family really believes they're better. It's completely anti-American. You know, totally, anti totally fucking anti-American. Like his family would probably never even let me in India into their home. They would like spit at me. So we need to understand this. And that is who is now part of the cabal, Right. And same. Laugh. I have a hard time with that with giants. Like I don't know when me and you meet uh, in person, you'll get a kick out of it. Like I'm fucking huge, so it's like I've been around these people before, and they all kind of break down around a really giant loud dude. Like I, I've been at these parties where you have that exact mentality. Like what are this special boy blood? Because I used to be around a lot of these billionaire Jews. Uh huh. And there's just something about being enormous where they just start being like, they just start like wanting me to like carry them and shit. It's hilarious. What do you mean and carry them? Up, physically carry them? Like physically they get like obsessive. Like I've had these like little short, like if you look at like a Rishi Sunak and people like that, like uh, these like five foot two, five foot three bloodline guys. And I used to know the, you know, uh, the, the people that own like Warner Brothers, all these huge. Right. When they get drunk, they would literally be like, they would want me to carry them around like in my arms. And I used to think it was so funny that these little buggers. And I think it also makes them kind of hate giants, which is why the uh, David and Goliath story actually rubs me in a different way than most people. I think. I think these little bloodline guys get like so obsessive with giants that they want to like kill us kind of. It's weird. Uh-huh. I don't know if that makes sense. It's just kind of a fun. No, it thing. does. It does. But I think getting back to this original point that you were saying, the the I'm 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 literally telling you, man, there's a deep connection. What's really interesting is there's a deep connection between the Jews of Israel or Jews of that region and the ancient Dravidians of South India.
Let me tell you what I'm thinking. Yeah, 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 totally. Because totally. what's really interesting is there are so many rituals in the ancient Hindu tradition where you use the incense, right, in the temples, which is almost like the ancient Christianity. All right. And there's a lot of evidence that Christ actually made it all the way to India. I mean, yeah, St. Yeah. Thomas is buried in Chennai in South India. So I think the ancient Christianity and the ancient Hinduism were very similar because Hinduism is the only religion where they believe in the concept of an avatar, a son of God. So when I was growing up in our village, my grandmother had the pictures of Christ on the wall. And we believe Christ is a son of God, is an avatar of God. Right now, the opposition to that was this Brahmanical model of Hinduism, right? Which was this top-down model, which is very similar to the Zionist model. So I have this theory that the Zionist and the Brahmanical model are one and the same, which are antithetical to truly the concept of God. And uh, because God does not believe, I, I, you know, everyone, you know, there's not a distinction. It was basically your merit, right? Your hard work. Yeah. You weren't born yeah. into this. I mean, so I think they're both very racist. The grammatical model, the caste system is racist. And so is Zionism. So Zionism perpetuates a caste system. If you think about it, at the heart of it, it's racist. And yeah, didn't Vedics discover the soul like a, a really, really long time ago? Wasn't that out in India? One of my one of my uh, well, friends who's really into Indian spirituality said that the first concept of the soul came out of India. Yeah, I mean, they call it Jivam, Jiva, okay? Now, what's interesting is the Indians had the concept of koshas, which were the different bodies that you physically wore. And through meditation, you could experience them. So there's a physical body. And if you peel away the physical body, if you want to think about it that way, you have what's called the astral body, which can behave all the laws of uh, uh, the universe, but doesn't have to behave all the physical laws. And then there's a causal body, the etheric body, and then what's called the soul body, right? Um, and the idea was that originally there's pure soul. And over uh, time, we created these various sheets on our body right? Which took us away from seeing the world as it truly is. So the whole goal of meditation was that you see things as they are, where you reveal your own soul body to yourself, your soul, right? You live from the point of soul, not from the point of any one of these visceral bodies. Consider it this way. Oh, and think about the way technology is going. Let's say a hundred years from now, let's say you have glasses embedded into your, into your, into your eyes, you have something embedded into your skull, uh, into your ears that you can hear stuff, right? And then you even have haptic sensors on your skin that you could feel. You could literally in that model be seeing someone halfway around the world, but they would look like they were in front of you. You follow what I'm saying? Your body could yeah. be in Cambridge and it would be, seem as though you and I were shaking hands in Idaho. How would you, and suppose you grew up like that, like as a child, how would you know that you were in Cambridge? So the concept of soul is that your soul exists in material of space and time. And what we're experiencing here is called Maya, illusion. Illusion, yeah, Maya, right. I love that. Right, so the idea of meditation was for you to experience and see the world as it truly is, where you peel away these layers. And that's what the yogis and rishis were trying to teach people through meditation, through silence, particularly through silence, 
and observing sensations on your body, you would see things as they truly are. And, you know, for me growing up, when I learned to meditate when I was 12, and it was pretty interesting because I could pretty much make things occur that I wanted. And this world became deja vu, that it became an experience that was already done, if you know what I'm talking about. And I have had all of those experiences many of these yogis talk about when Christ said the kingdom of heaven is within you. And the yogis say that when you leave your body, you literally will see the universe within you. And I've had those experiences. So I know that this world is beyond what we see physically. You know, that's where I, I derive a lot of my strength from, because I know this is not it. And I think to those Zionists and the Brahmins and that ilk of people, the reason they have a problem and the reason they're so materialist is because this is all that they think exists. They haven't yeah, been, exactly. this is it. The material world is it. And that is why I think they're so rapacious for this world. I mean, when I was out in Malibu, when I used to talk about Christ, these Zionists would say Christ was just a crazy idiot. That's what they would say. Yeah, they hate him. Yeah, and these are Jews who would say Christ was a, they would literally say he was a fucking idiot. He was a crazy idiot who'd gone crazy. And, and was, Ben Shapiro on, on Joe Rogan said, quote, unquote, Jesus Christ rebelled against the Romans and was executed for his trauma. And everybody for, and all these. And, for his trauma? That's, that's Ben Shapiro. You know him? Yeah, he's a Zionist hoodlum. Yeah, yeah. He's a, yeah. We call him the, the, what we call him, the littlest chicken hawk. He's always trying to get other people to fight wars. But he's like, Jesus Christ. He goes, he, talk, he talks like this. He talks like he's a little bit autistic. You know, I was like, buy my shades. My wife's a doctor. And he goes, Jesus Christ, we rebelled against Rome and executed for his trouble. And everybody is just like, all these evangelical Christians are still supporting these people. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm you saying. You said that the guy that you literally have the most reverence for in the world was a common criminal who should be executed. And right. meanwhile, they're like, oh, we have to give the money to Israel. I'm like, do you think their minds are broken? Like, do you think that these people have been severed in some way like well that's why, why they think that's why Owen, we need to hit the right from the right so what i've been saying is if you really look at the life of christ 99 percent of christ's life was spent hitting the sadducees and the pharisees i did a i i did a, a lecture he many hated years, this swarm. he hated this right I, I did a lecture many years ago on easter and i literally went and read and did a quite a bit of research. If you look seven days before when Christ was crucified, there's enough, a significant amount of evidence to show that he had gone and fucked up the Pharisees. He like whipped the shit out of them. And before yeah. that, he'd whipped the shit out of the Sadducees. Now the Sadducees were like the Costco. They were running these big temples and the Pharisees were competing with the Sadducees. They were running 7-Elevens, you see? And when he beat the shit out of the Sadducees, the Pharisees thought, oh, he's going to support us. And so Christ hung around with them and he realized what their gig was and he started beating shit out of them. But it was the Pharisees. I and the, relate to that so much. Yeah, <laughs> dude, that's what I'm saying. They got together. It would be no different than Trump and Kennedy getting together against me. You see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, the not yeah, so yeah. obvious establishment always unites against the real revolutionaries. So that's what happened at the time of Christ. So all these fucking idiots. So we have to hit the idiot evangelicals with that. You fucking idiots. Why the fuck are you supporting Zionism? It is basically spitting on Christ. How can you do this? And they need to be awoken to that because I think they're just fucking mindless because they're read by that, you know, led by idiots like Jimmy Swaggart, Joel Austin, yeah. these fucking money making hoodlums.
hoodlum operations, right? A, a friend of mine was on a plane with Joel Osteen. And I don't know if it's true, but he said, you know, this guy, Joel Osteen, he runs this big evangelical. Apparently, yeah, he, he was, he was, yeah, he, yeah, he was writing a joke for his, he goes, look at this to his, to some guy in business class. He goes, my idiot congregation is going to laugh at this nonsense I do. But he was basically putting down his own congregation. So these yeah. guys are just basically using the goodness of Christ and the, you know, that spirit among these evangelicals and they completely fuck with them. They treat them like dirt. And that's and it's going to backfire though, because if you look at like uh, what you're doing and what I'm doing, like that sketch I sent you this morning that the guys in the Ozarks did, like that's funnier than anything Hollywood's making. So it's like, if you actually love your people and you actually want what's best for them, they will create for you and like have your back in ways that these Joel Olsteins can't even imagine. Like he's just exactly what you just talked about. So like they're in the Maya and they're like, they're competing for these crumbs of, of illusion and they think they're killing it and they're not seeing the bigger picture that if they just let go and if they like allow their generosity and their love to go, like to be there, that their people would actually love them back. But instead there's like this mutual feeding that they do between narcissism where it's like, oh, I'll put money in the basket and I'll laugh along if you promise me a mansion in heaven and you tell me I'm a good person, even though I watch four hours of pornography and I had methamphetamines. It's like, they're just kind of like in this weird battery of like, I don't know, they don't grow. They, they don't really have- Well, oh, oh, and I, I think these people are physiologically, epigenetically different people. When I was out in Hollywood, I tried to figure these people out. I thought somehow I could- convince them to be better human beings. And I realized they will fuck you up really badly because they are operating on a different physiology that it's just a different animal. I think it's a different, literally a different species. That's a conclusion I came to that. They actually think your kindness or your nobility is actually a weakness. Oh, so they definitely do. They've even told me that. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is I think they're a different animal. And I think, you know, after the age of 20, 25, 30, I think they're gone. So I think it's an unfortunate conclusion we have to come to that these people will never change. They are what they are. And that's why the swarm must be shattered. So the only way out of this is to organize people. And that's why, you know, for me, hitting Kennedy hard, hitting Trump hard, it's a dirty fucking job, right? But I'm willing to do that because what ends up happening is you find the 20% who overcome these morons and they're, and they're truly the enlightened ones. Look, since we last spoke, you know, we do these open houses every Thursdays, right? 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. So there was this medical doctor who comes on. He says, I saw Joe Rogan interview with Booby fucking Kennedy for three hours. And he goes, I was so moved. And he goes, I was going to give him $25,000. I was going to volunteer. And somehow he says, I came across your video destroying Rogan and destroying Kennedy. And he goes, for two fucking days, I had cognitive dissonance because I knew what you were saying was right. But it took me a while to rewire, but rewire my programming. But that guy was an honest human being, you see? Totally, totally. And, and yeah, so yeah. now in 2023, we're finding those very honest human beings who are willing to look at the data, look at what they were thought was true, self-reflect and overcome that. 
So we're finding these truly conscious humans, not robots anymore. And I think that's how we win. So, but it requires us to do this dirty work of fucking attacking these morons uncompromisingly. Yeah, yeah. You can't give them an inch because no. it's it because the there is this twenty percent who's waiting for that because they're right on the edge. And historically, what happens is those people who are coming over here, the swarm brings them back. So we, it's it's almost preeminent to expose Kennedy, expose this Vivek fucking prick, and expose um, all these fuckers because they are being created by the swarm to bring people back in. And that's why they find a brown guy. They find a guy with a beard who looks like a bear. You see, they're doing this in a very methodical way. This is why what Elon Musk is doing with predictive analytics now, he lets us on, he finds all of our followers, builds an avatar of us, and then markets that to sucker people to the wrong bear or to the wrong Shiva. You see what I'm saying? That's what they're doing. So they know what people want. And the, the, the assholes here, the fake, the fake bullshitters are literally repeating our stuff. So the issue that I wanted to discuss, how do you tell the difference between the men versus the boys and the bullshitters versus the real warriors? I think the number one thing people need to actually do is literally take a piece of paper and write down what did they say and what did they do? Like, it's like you literally have to take a spreadsheet what the fuck did the guy say and what did he do? Okay. And you can apply this and it's, and then you can say, does it match? Okay. Kennedy, he said he's against lockdowns. What did he do? He promoted lockdowns in 2020. Oh, Kennedy said he is for peace. Oh, he promoted the fucking Zionists who want to fucking, you know, continue perpetual war. Oh, Kennedy said, I mean, you just write it down and if, and you look at their histories. And so if people just took a pen and a paper and just did that, you know, in a very rational way, it is a way they will figure out who is a bullshitters and who is a warriors. This guy, Vivek, promoted promoted mask mandates. Did you know this? So they asked him, oh, you promoted mask mandates. He goes, ha, ha, ha. You know, at the time, you know, it was anti-establishment. It was the establishment was saying, don't wear masks. So I said, you must wear masks. I was being, anti I'm into anti-establishment. So I said, wear masks, because Fauci was saying, don't wear masks. I mean, the shit that these people come up with to redo their, so, so one thing is write down what they said, what they did at the time, a Christ, and what they actually said. The other thing, I think this is something that everyone literally has to do. No, it's huge, it's huge. And the other thing is, look at what they did when the crisis was taking place. And I think these two litmus tests will really open people's eyes because once they do that, now they have to decide whether they want to be part of the illusion, the Maya, which means they're making a decision on their own to be part of evil. Because if they're not, like this doctor was willing to look at it, two days of cognitive dissonance and willing to come to the light, you say? But most people are A, not willing to do that. And then if it's presented to them, now they have to make a very compelling decision. So I think the real issue is the difference between a bullshitter and a real warrior and the difference between the men and the boys is do their actions match their deeds? And what did they do at the time of a crisis? Yeah, and I got another one for you. And don't forgive them unless they've apologized. I keep see seeing this with Trump where they're like, I'm like, he's the father of the vaccine. He brags about it. And they're like, well, he just had to play ball, blah, blah, blah. I go, show me one clip where he shows any regret for anything he did. Like nothing. 
I understand that people can make mistakes, but a lot of times people will forgive or they'll say, oh, he made a mistake, but yet that person has never apologized. They will never own up to anything they've done. And that's a big red flag. And just to brag a little bit, if, if you want to look back at, uh, at you know, our histories, like compared to like the Joe Rogan and stuff like that, in 2020, 2021, not only was I never for any of this stuff, I had a whole episode called Script Flip where I told people, and nobody believed me at the time, I go, there will come a time when the media is going to go, not the media, but like the zeitgeist is going to go after the vaccinated and you should forgive them and not treat them as second class citizens. And people are like, no, no way. We're going to be, we're fucked. Because my audience could see through it, they, you know, but, but they thought that we were just going to enter this endless tyranny. And I go, no, they're going to start, like, I know how these, these narrative pendulums go. Like the demonic forces love to just humiliate, make people feel terrible. I'm like, there's going to be people that are severely regretful of taking a vaccine and you're going to be tempted to ghettoize them and say, I'm not going to hug you and you're dirty and you, you don't deserve a wife or a husband. I'm like, you should forgive those people. And I said that in 2021. And so now that it's come to pass, you know, people will still act like I'm just a crazy person. And I'm like, look, you're supporting people that are fucking like objectively psychopathic. And, and like, I, I called that whole thing, you know? Well, that's what I'm saying, Owen. So, so let's, so basically number one, look at what people's actions and deeds are. Literally put them side by side. Number two, look at when they said it. And the third is, um, you know, have they apologized if they were truly uh, wrong in what they did? If you notice, yeah, Kennedy yeah. never apologized. He blamed his wife. Exactly. Right? Because the psychopath has a hard time. Because their vanity and their pride have a really, really hard time ever saying they did anything wrong. They right. always, they always say, "Oh, my wife was scared," or um, they always come up with something that offloads a responsibility. Like a living man or woman will be able to say, "Like I've been wrong, obviously," and I'll just own it and say, "My bad. I'm sorry. I was flipping out," you know. And like those people, they can't because they see it as weakness, just like they see our empathy as weakness. They see any admission of weakness or of any past problems as weakness and they won't do it. It's like, it's almost like the they live glasses. Like you see their robotics because they have to say it with something else. Oh, the deep state made me. Oh, it's because the CIA. Oh, I had to do this. Oh, and it's like, no, you were wrong. Just say you're wrong. It's not a big deal. Everybody's wrong. Like everybody's wrong sometimes because they all think they're these little gods, like that they could never be wrong. And I'm like, then that shows that they are, they really see us as these cattle, that we have one soul and they have two souls. And, you know, and, I, and those people will do anything to you. Like they, it, people, like my mother is such a kind person that I've had to like explain to her how evil works. You know, like me and you are both similar that we are like shepherds to a lot of people because we can day walk. Like I'm like trying to explain like, no, these people literally will do anything to you. Like they would kill you for a penny. Like they, they don't see humanity at all. And, and they keep saying like, why would they lie? I'm like, blood, gold, cum, like they're fucking nuts, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think Bobby I Kennedy cheated on his wife with 31 women in one year and she hung herself and he acts like the victim. Like that wrote that. That's what, uh, my buddy, not my buddy, but I listened to him, Paul from Pockets of the Future, he couldn't get past that about Bobby Kennedy. He's like the sex addict 
He goes, if someone cheats on their wife like that, what do you think they do to you? Like, it's just so he he like swore an oath to his wife, and he fucked thirty one women in one year, and wrote it in a diary, and rated them from one to ten. See, like, Owen, I think I think this this is a central issue, right? I think what people do not understand is they tend to double think these people and they do not take these people at face value. This is also yeah. hard for kind yeah. people to understand. And it took me a while to understand that you have to take these fucking people at face value. So Maureen Callahan in the Daily Mail, she, very interesting article she wrote. She said, you know, he fucked, I thought it was 28, so three more, 30, 31 women. His wife yeah. hung herself. After, and apparently he tormented her. Apparently there's some uh, statement saying that she went to him and said, said you know, I'm going to kill myself. And he basically said, go for it. You know? Do it. Yeah. Now, after that, they had a burial ceremony for her. Apparently the burial was done in the Kennedy, whatever, plots that they have. And he calls in his PR agency. Again, you have to understand these people are very clever with their PR. They, they, they bring in all the cameras, they put up the coffin right there, him and his children are on the left and right side praying over the coffin, beautiful camera shots. The next day, I don't know if you heard this, they exhumed the coffin without permits and moved it outside of that Kennedy area to an unmarked grave. All right? So that's, this is, this is, right? So, and then the PR agency said, oh, we moved, her, we moved her grave to have some better sunshine. All right. So I don't think it's hard. It's almost like people have to just bite the bullet and accept these people at what the fuck they're saying. I'm going to fuck you up. They mean they're going to fuck you up. Right. They always tell you, too. They yeah, they, tell, they, you they tell you because they actually know that you don't believe how evil they are. So they're almost telling you to take advantage of you. Like they're laughing at your stupidity. So everything Kennedy says is like at face value, you know? And if you look at the entire Kennedy life, I, I, I don't know if you know, uh, John F. Kennedy had venereal disease when he was a teenager. He wasn't ex allowed to go into the Navy. He had also, he failed. The father had to call to get him into the Navy. Then he was a reckless motherfucker. He drove the boats that he was on PT like crazy. He had many, many other close calls. And after he, that boat that he blew up was one of the major blunders of World War II. The father again got involved, had the Boston Globe redo the story to make him look like a great hero. Then they wrote profiles of courage for him. Everything was engineered. Robert F. Kennedy, the father of Bobby Kennedy, gave a speech on the floor of the Senate saying why we must stay in Vietnam. John Kennedy, three weeks before he was assassinated and all the Kennedy numbskulls think, oh, my God, John F. Kennedy was fighting the military industrial complex. He wanted to pull out of Vietnam. That's why, why he was knocked off bullshit. Three weeks before, he's giving a speech saying why we must escalate in Vietnam, why we must never leave. So they have very, very good PR to completely spin them the opposite ways. Not to be, they're not imperialists. That's what they were. John Kennedy was the biggest imperialist. Make him look like a peacenik. You know, Booby Kennedy, poor guy, you know, we should support him and his fucking voice and shit. You know, something happened to him. He's a complete scumbag. So 
I think it's hard for people to appreciate how evil these people are, that they are absolutely evil. They don't give a fuck about you. And that's, no, I think. Ego. Yeah, like Nobel from Nobel Peace Prize got all his money from South. He invented TNT and revolutionized blowing up people's body parts. Yeah. You know, like Mother Teresa, Gandhi, you know, like these people have all been spun. Yep. I think there's a very famous Indian uh, spiritual slogan, which says, we come to the earth as doves and the goal is to leave as eagles, which means the goal is you come as these naive souls. And can you build the wisdom to realize what the world really is? And, oh, that's really cool. I yeah. Like that. And, and eliminate these illusions we have. And that's why I think these people exist. In some ways, they're teaching lessons. When you overcome to see these people who they are, I think that's when you become a real warrior. And you're no longer, it's almost like, though, do you want to, the bullshitter only can exist if there's a bullshitty, right? There must be a bullshitty that someone who wants to be bullshitted upon to be a bullshitter. Yeah, it's a lesson. It's like the minions are here to allow us to grow. It's like from farming, I've learned that. Like you want to get rid of mice, you cover the grain, you become disciplined. You know, it's like, Man, I get some weird theories about it almost seems like certain pests come out of the dirt. <laughs> like uh -huh. if you live badly, mice will just come out and just start eating stuff. Or like it's weird how some of these pest type animals, it doesn't seem like they follow the normal lineage of like there's just some mouse family. And like if you live in a certain way, you will be overrun by pestilence. And then you I've learned that. The best way is prevention. Cover the grain, the mice go away. Because you can't just take them all out. It has to be the kingdom of God within. Like, we have to change what we do and how we act. And then everything around us changes and the Maya starts disappearing, you know? Yeah, you know, if, by the way, if you ever have rice in India, they always put cloves in rice. If you have a bag of rice, because the cloves will keep away the bugs, by the way. It's a different technique. But... Well, that's good. Uh, yeah. I like, I but, like that. but typically when you get rice or any grain, you put a bunch of cloves in it and then you'll cover it because there's always bugs, you know, that come. But you yeah. always do this preventative measure. But I think that's what this is about. I think the leaders of a society reflect the consciousness of the people. I so agree. if, if, if yeah. we want to be bullshitted and we believe it's OK to be a hypocrite, we believe it's OK to say personal integrity doesn't meet public integrity. That's what Kennedy said to Megyn Kelly, you know. I don't know if you saw this interview. He's, she's saying, yeah. she starts interviewing him. She goes, oh, you know, I just want to ask you some personal questions. You know, Herschel Walker said he was against abortion and then he had three abortions, right? And, you know, your uncle, you know, he had his dalliances. And then your other uncle killed a woman. And then he's squirming in his chair because she thinks, and he didn't, she didn't ask him any hard questions. But he tried to preempt it and he said, personal integrity and public integrity are two different things. He's telling you right to your face. I may fuck you up, you know, I may fuck up a lot of people personally, but just believe my facade. So these people are telling people to their face. And I yeah, think so. So if you select leaders like that, that means you yourself are at a lower consciousness. And I think the goal of real leadership is to raise people's consciousness. So what we have is leaders who justify lower states of consciousness. And so that's why we get these leaders, because I think collectively there's a collective consciousness. So if you believe, you know, I think Trump and all these people get elected because people are at a vibration rate of believing that's OK. Oh, I can have 52 affairs 
and then I can go home and be a Christian, right? Or whatever the fuck they want to be. And I think that that's why I think, oh, and the opportunity is to raise people's is to raise people's standards. And and yeah, that, that's why I've recommended people vote for you because although the odds of you winning is very low because of the way media works and all that. Even if we win, they won't let us win. Right. At least you're making a statement that you have standards. Because I was I'm never voting, but I will vote. Like I would write you in and vote for you because you meet my standards. Because I'm I don't believe in be, a better or lesser of two evils. Because that it means like I vote for my local sheriff because I know him and he's awesome. Yeah. I'm like yeah I'll put my, my like I'm not against voting, but I could never vote for Donald Trump or Joe Biden or Booby Kennedy or and, and it's like and people go yeah but we got to win no it's your struggle like we all die and go somewhere else. And when we do, it's like our life is the story. Like th that's the win. Like the win is, do you sign off on something? Like, did you speak out? Did you verbally consent to the rape? You know, and that's all you can, you can't stop the, you know, the rain from falling or the central bank from printing, but you can either say you're for it or not for it. And that's an important thing, whether or not you win or not. Well, that is the win. So what we're trying to teach people, Owen, is this this very interesting concept. So, and we're getting people to start flipping where you're seeing people because the concept is, oh, why are you running as an independent? You're never going to win. You know, you can't run as a natural, right? They go through that. And I said, look, the yeah. reason we're running is to raise the standards. So you actually have a real choice. Let me show you this flyer, Owen. See this flyer? I, yeah. This is old school. When I was at MIT, we would create these. It's an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, right? And you see what it says, right? Right. The lesser of two evils is killing your children. So we've, yeah, yeah. we've gotten the message down to that one little graph, right? That red line is the U.S. life expectancy since 1980. I don't know if you can see that, right? Yeah. The gray line. So I will go out tomorrow at 4 p.m. and I'll go down to the train station and I'll hand out like a thousand of these. And this, the future is offline because they're tracking everything we're doing. They shadow ban us, but they can't fucking stop. If I go, you know, when I was at MIT, we'd make a flyer like this and we destroyed the student newspaper. So this is much more powerful than any social media anymore. We're putting, you know, one of these on the back of a car because a lot of people are lazy, but you take a piece of paper and you put it on, it's you, my car, you're advertising a hundred thousand views. So the future is really offline. But okay, I'm actually looking to put up a I'm looking for listeners with a land next to highways to put up billboards, billboards, flyers. The thing, the reason a flyer is important is you as an individual have to go out and you have to look at someone. You have to be vulnerable and you have to hand it out. You know, out of the 20 people that pass by, one will take it. And that's typically it's about a five percent take rate. But the issue is you have to connect. You're putting yourself out there. And then you'll have these conversations with people. People say, thank you very much. And that is what we've got to stop doing because what's happened is the current media has become far more consolidated in power than ever before. It's, there is no, you don't have any power, but you go hand out a flyer, you put out a sticker, right? You have far more power than you can imagine. And that's, that's where things have got to move. So our goal is running for president, A, gives people saying, wait a minute, this guy is completely different than this guy. And why don't I raise my standards? And what is my life's journey ultimately about? The other thing is what can you do by yourself and what can you do bottoms up? Because we know all of these systems are completely corrupt. So by, you know, in the, uh, in the, I was just, 
uh, at one of our other open houses, this Hindu priest shows up, you know, with Swami, which is all of his, uh, and, and um, he says that in the, in the Indian tradition, the earth goes through these different stages, okay, in the Hindu mythology, or they actually consider it not just mythology. So the earth goes through what's called the Satya Yuga, the Treta Yuga, the Dwarpa Yuga, and then Kali Yuga. A Yuga is an age. And each age is uh, 1,200 years. So the- Kali is a destroyer, right? Isn't that- Well, Kali Yuga is when, yeah, so the, the, the Satya, Satya means truth. The, the, the age of truth was an age when 100% of human beings were good human beings. Like you could trust your neighbor, honorable people. Then when it went down to what's called the Treta Yuga, which you could call from the golden age to the silver age, 75% of people were good. 25% of people were devils. Then it went to the Dwarpa Yuga, it became 50-50, okay? And then when it became the Kali Yuga, which is what we're living in now, which started about 5,000 years ago, it's you're lucky if one out of four people are good human beings. 75% of the world is filled by devils. And then there's a 100-year cycle where, so it's actually a sinusoid. It goes from the Golden Age to the Silver Age to the Bronze Age to the Kali Yuga, and then it goes back to the Silver Age, it goes the other way. And apparently this guy was saying, we're right in the middle of that. And he goes, the next five years, you know, you can take this predictions for what they are, right? Will be one of the most toughest times for all of humanity. And that's, he says, that's where we are right now in that period of human history. And it's also said during the Kali Yuga, there'll be great darkness, but it'll also be a great chance for enlightenment. But the number he came up with was 25%. I put it at 20%. So that's why I'm saying it, it, it doesn't matter whether 80% want to follow the Kennedys and all these people. But the 20% is what where it's about. Because once you get the 20%, like that doctor being self-reflective, he's going to pull over another 50% of people. And that's, from a strategic standpoint, that's what's important to understand. We're at this very, very important point on what are our standards when booby fucking kennedy says personal integrity and public integrity are two different things to me that's satan right there because it's saying that you can live two worlds you can be yeah, yeah. you know and i think when we raise our standards saying no my how i live on the personal level has to match how i'm in the there's that you can't have this two different worlds and i think that's a consciousness that you know I'm committed to bringing about Owen. Oh, and if we can do that, because when you look at this graph, man, that graph is not, it's been going on since 1980. This means you need a systems overhaul. This is like, you have to come to terms, like there's no fucking voting for the lesser of two evils, right? Acknowledging the lesser of two evils, saying that you believe it's okay to live with Satan in some ways, right? Live with the devil. But when you see that graph, that, your child is gonna live shorter lifespan than you. Like you have to really come to terms with reality. Like that one key performance indicator is not just the vaccines. It goes back the last 70 years of systemic policies that have been done over and over and over again. So that's where we're at. You know, a friend of mine, um, I'm gonna do an interview, a very interesting guy, medical doctor, MD, PhD. He is a neurologist. He's working at one of the Harvard hospitals and he discovers that all the MRIs are fake. They're issuing fake MRIs. 
he gets the report and he sees the 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 notes are the same on 20 reports. It's like someone just made 1500 bucks and issued them. So this guy starts exploring them and finds out many of them are fake. Anyway, and this is at one of the Harvard teaching hospitals. He gets Correct. fired. He gets his medical license thrown out. He then learns the law and starts fighting. He loses in the state lower courts. He wins in the appeal court case. It's been going on for 10 years. He wins in the appeal court. And then it goes to the, they appeal it to the Supreme Court and he loses there, but on just some technicality. And the Supreme Court justices, because they didn't want people following his case, changed the name of the case. This just happened yesterday. So you can oh. see the medical and he's got all the documents. We're, we're going to expose it this week. The medical cartel tells the, the, the courts what to do. Supreme, Supreme Court justices at the state level. And that's what leads to this graph. This is a fucking corruption we live with because we're supporting guys like Vivek, right? Who fucking buys a drug for 5 million and then flips it and fucking makes money. So it's like, we really have to understand that we are the ones who are causing our own suffering. Why are we fucking choosing people like this? It's like, you must hate yourself. You must think that you are lesser, that you are a slave. And I think that's where it's at, man. We gotta raise people to have value for themselves and everything just fucking will happen after that. Like why the yeah, fuck? I mean, and in the dark regions, like the Kali Yuga type that you just described, I see tremendous opportunity because devils are weak. You know, devils are predictable. They're algorithmically, uh, you know, predictable, weak people. And so if you don't subscribe to that, if you don't subscribe to the despair and the weakness and you become like the, the productive class, you can actually level up in ways that you never could in a golden age. Because in, in a golden age, if everybody's crushing, yeah, it's great. It sounds awesome. But like, if a lot of people are corrupt and you're not, you can really, really rise in this world. I've, I've noticed that. Well, that's yeah. what the Kali Yuga is for. The Kali Yuga is a period where there'll be great darkness, but there'll be oppor immense opportunities for people to raise and become truly enlightened souls. So it's it's yeah. actually the, because during the time where everyone, you know, you, there's really no, everyone is cool and every, you don't really have to strive, you know, for advancing. So this is a, this is actually a pretty amazing time to live. And we should embrace yeah, I was that. I the other day that I missed COVID. It's like, I'm almost too much of a warrior where it's like, I'm such a war general that I was talking to my wife. I'm like, I really missed the lockdowns and COVID. I felt like I really shone. And she's like rubbing my shoulder. She's like, don't worry, love. Like they'll try and destroy humanity again. I'm like, you promise? <laughs> yeah. Like, like we were, you know, inventing stuff, coming up with ideas. Like we're, we're the bear meetups were huge. Like I, I just really, I, I don't mind conflict. Like I don't mind when the end is nigh and everybody's freaking out. That's when my brother's the same way. I don't know if there's a genetic component, but we both are just like, that's when we feel the most alive. And a lot of people, they like hate that. Like they, they'll just submit and go with whatever. And I find it is the most exciting time to be alive. Like, I'm glad I was never in war because I'd probably get addicted to it. I think, well, pretty well, well, Owen, what's interesting is the, the, if you look at all the archetypes, again, across Christianity and Hinduism, you'll find the archetype of the warrior who goes to fight evil and the healer are the same deity. Did you know this? No. Yeah. So, so if you look at Archangel Michael, 
he is the archangel that you go. He's the one who drove Satan out of heaven, right? He's known as a warrior God and the God of war, but he's also the God that you pray to for health. And he has a peacock feathers as his angelic feathers. If you go to Hinduism, there's another deity called Murugan. Murugan also, his familiar is a peacock. He's the one in the ancient Hindu scriptures, he chased the devil out of heaven. And he too is a god of medicine. So there's, it's, it's very cool, right? So in fact, the word in, in Tamil for the word that you use for healer is the same word that you use for warrior. So we, wow, the, awesome. the, the new age people have fucked it all up. Like they said, oh, you all need to be fucking nice and shit, right? Like they made it this namby-pamby fucking thing. But the warrior and the healer are fierce. One goes to fight the same. You, you fight disease and death and you fight evil. So it is it is a very interesting. So, the, so in the Indian archetype, you also have Shiva who traverses. He lives in the graveyard, but he also goes to heaven. Hermes in the the archetype in um, you know greek or in the roman it's mercury right mercury. and they're also communicators you say they communicate between the lower realms and the upper realms they have to traverse both darkness and light so these and are the very peacock has many eyes like the, that's the only it, feather that has eyes on each feather exactly but isn't yeah. it inc isn't it incredible and joseph campbell you know teased out a lot of these very interesting archetypes but it's fascinating for me archangel michael and murigan are the exact same archetypes across two vastly different religious traditions, but they both are warrior gods and also the gods of medicine in many ways, the gods of healing. That's awesome. Yeah. So anyway, man, I think um, I have to take Michelle for her birthday, you know, uh, shortly. But a great chat. Yeah. But I was just going to say that, like, if they do the climate change lockdown, like my first instinct was, Yes, the bears will get horses. Like I, I love, like I don't mind it at all. I'm like, we can now, because I learned so much about the law, and I know you had that happen when you fought for the uh, the Twitter portal yeah. stuff. That in conflict, you learn so much, and so many people are healed. It's just like, well, that's a th that that's a thing, Owen. So in 2020, right, the conflict that gets created, it was an amazing opportunity, right? We expose the real election systems issues. We exposed the real issues with the backdoor portal into Twitter. We exposed the real issues of health and in the immune system, right? That's why running for president, you know, if I can close on this is very important because now it's not just me. We have to get on the ballot in 50 states. All of our people are going to face these wonderful challenges and conflicts. Like you want to push the envelope on this. You want to create conflict because out of conflict, you know, you know, people are honed, they get better, they get, you know, uh, sharper, right? So in all- it reveals the two-faced face. So it's like, make them cheat, like make them show you the right. face. Right, you know? exactly. So we want them to fuck, fucking try to cheat us and we'll expose them even more, right? No, it's it's a huge opportunity. And that's why I think- I just laugh every time. For some reason, when you swear, it makes people laugh every time, I don't know why. <laughs> Like whatever you call fucker call. You like these well, the thing the thing is, man, you know, some someone was telling me that I should stop cursing. And I was really thinking about no, this. Like no. I was saying, shut the I said, shut the fuck up, because these words come to me from my soul. Yeah, because yeah, of yeah. because of the injustice that I've gone through. 
And the, inju the injustice for me, Owen, is something I was telling to people like I had to go through this whole shit defending the invention of email when I fucking invented emails, black and white. But I had to go through that. It wasn't just I had to go through fighting for my lawsuit. My whole life has been fighting these fuckers. Right. So when I have to fight these fuckers, it's not just some. You know, it's not just some fucking etheric. That's why all these fuck when Kennedy says, I know your plight. No, you don't. You don't know my fucking plight. I know my plight because I've had to fight it. You know, a, a fucking Brahmin dude, a fucking Vivek doesn't know shit about anything. So all these people are just talking shit. They write books and they've never experienced what I've experienced. You know, we did a thing. I said, watch this video to walk in my shoes. Because everything I it, it, ultimately your personal struggle and the public one has to be interconnected. That's why these guys are so fucking fake because they have to make up something yeah, when they have no they have no connection to fucking reality. Like I've actually had to fight someone who wouldn't let me into their home because I was a fucking shudra, you know, what you would call the N word. Right. Like I've had to face that. It's not some theory. Right. I've actually had to invent something and people trying to steal my shit. Like I've actually won an election and someone fucking stole it from me. This is not fucking theory. Mike Lindell selling pillows, motherfucker, right? He took all my shit and just fucking sells pillows off the shit and then made it some crazy ass shit, right? So you have this whole entourage of people who've never ever had to fight the fight. I know and people at Augusta do swear. It's like I carried all the dudes bags in a fucking giant fat like warehouse you know a lot of these people are living i'll let you go we could just keep going no 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 no. and i think no but i'm saying i think yeah, that, but they live in a nonsense reality they, they always think what would a person say like they're literally like lizards they're like well what would a person say who thinks this way like they don't feel anything like, dude that's why i'm saying that's yeah. that's why i'm saying uh oh and this is what they're doing now they're literally watching what we say on social media and it's literally feeding some motherfucker somewhere. Oh, Shiva said this. It's working. Okay. Say this. They do it every day. Like, I literally will say shit on a stream, and the next day, there's like eight headlines with the same verbiage. That's what I'm trying to say. are like, what the fuck? You keep shaping reality. And I'm like, when you're a living person, they just they mimic you and they just use your words all the time and they steal all my shit too. Right. Same with you. But what that's what they're doing on, because what they have is they have now predictive analytics. They can see this. The bottom line is this. They do not want people to build a bottoms up movement where they rise up on their own. If you can keep that eye on the prize, that's what they don't want to happen. So whenever they see a message, which is a thought form, that is moving the needle where it's inciting people to rise up, they steal that message because that set of words and phrases, it is literally information, matter, and energy. It's all three things. So they literally are watching this. That's why Peter Thiel's company is doing Palantir. They're literally watching the motion of flow of human thought. They're saying, wow, people are getting inspired by Dr. Shiva saying, fucking teach your kids how to curse. Okay, then they literally will have some guy go on an interview and they'll promote him teaching people out. You see what I'm saying? So they're literally, yeah, yeah, no, no, so yeah, so they, they have predictive analytics running. They're watching thought forms and they're taking those thought forms. That's why the future is fucking offline because these people cannot go out and hand out a fucking flyer. They don't even know how to talk to people because someone may come and slap the shit out of them. 
You see? Yeah, exactly. They're fucking pussies. And that's what needs to happen to these people. These people need, like, Christ. that's why I think Christ, I mean, think about Christ in this temple, taking this fucking whip and whip. I don't think he said, oh, can you please move out of the way? He probably said, get the fuck out of the way. Right? Yeah. So all these Christians against cursing, I say, shut the fuck up. Like, you should teach your kids to curse at the right time. It's very, very important kids learn how to curse at the right person at the right time. And they learn how to express their anger at the devil. It's very, very important. So all these people telling me not to curse, I, I have to tell them, shut the fuck up. Because yeah, you're missing something. That. Some part of your brain is fucking fried if you don't understand that you must curse at these people. Dude, I, and that's on my instinct. Whenever they're like, but do you have to use such language? I always tweet back, like, fuck you. Like, that's yes. always my instinct. Yes. No, you should say, fuck yes. You must use this language. And we, what we should do is we should probably start a school of how to fucking curse for kids. These are the conditions, like a decision tree, when you should curse and when it's okay. I'm being serious. I know. I love I'm it. being fucking serious. Yeah, like make up, one of my favorite things is just make up curse words so they don't have like a, a strategy around it yet. Yeah. But I think. All right, well, well, Shiva 24, I'll let you go. I don't want yeah, to. Yeah. Uh, so, so listen, people should go to the website and download the flyer. The flyer basically says a lesser of two evils is killing you. It says, since the 1980s, the policies of the swarm, the elites across left and right, Democrat and Republican, have destroyed Americans' life expectancy. The rest of the world will follow the same pattern. Every child on the planet is headed to a shorter lifespan than their parents. This is by design. And what happens when you vote for the lesser of two evils? We need a systems overhaul, which demands a bottoms-up movement. And that is what they don't want, Owen. That is why they mimic our shit. That is why they have a fucking brown turd trying to mimic me, okay? Um, I literally want to take a cobra with the two V's in Vivek, fucking the fangs of the cobra, right? And put this fool on there. And the back of the cobra put all the pharma, you know, it's like brought to you by blah, 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 blah. But it's it's like if you're a fucking Christian, learn how to curse, beat the shit out of the fucking Zionists, do it on a regular basis. And if you are a lefty, really embrace Marxism all the way. Truly be a communist. Demand that we see... We, we must seize the means of production. Working people must seize the means of production. The proletariat, the true proletariat, right? So at both points, the left and the right can unite, right? I support the proletariat. Yeah, I can actually speak to right-wingers that might recoil about that. Seizing the means of production is like locally be able to create what you currently need to go to Walmart to get. You will get more power if you do that. Like Well, and if you're a Christian, it means a meek shall inherit the earth. That's what that yeah, means. Yeah. Like, like the, the means of production means you get productive and you like, I'm blessed to live in an area where we have these like powerful families that are like awesome. Like one does all non-GMO grains and hay for our cows and like does all the crushing and hauling for all this stuff. And they, they process the meat and all this. And they're probably pushing a billion dollars. And I love them. Like I want them to have 10 billion. I'm like, cause they're helping everybody. Cause we have the means of production in our area to feed all our own cows. And when you offload it to these giant swarm type systems, you're gonna get disease, you're gonna get shit. And so that's what that means. Like if you wanna look at the good side of Marxism, it's like localize and produce yourself. Like a lot of what we do in the fair community is that, you know? Yeah, but and, and, and people should understand when Marx died, Engels said the worst people are Marxists. But means of production means that people who actually do the work should be controlling their destiny. 
not a bunch right, of exactly. fuckheads exactly. like Jared Kushner. What the fuck does Jared Kushner know? What does Ivanka Trump know? What the fuck does Ben Shapiro know, right? All these fucking people are the swarm. They We need to shatter them. But the people actually work, you know, actually do labor, actually produce shit, actually create stuff, should own the means of production. And if you're a fucking Christian, then be a fucking Christian. So if we do that, if the Christians were Christians, and if the working, the proletariat, who truly believe in proletariats running, if they were, if they were truly running the things, it's all fucking over for them. But instead, we're told that Bernie Sanders is a proletariat. That motherfucker never even has ever even held a job, right? And all these evangelicals are not Christians. Come on. So you have Christians who aren't Christians and you have workers who aren't workers. So all we need is the workers to be workers and the Christians to be Christians. And it's over. I love it, brother. All right, man. Thanks, Owen. Great chat. Be well. I'm sorry I can't. We could keep going on, but I always enjoy this. But best to you and your family and your community. Thanks, Owen. Okay, be well. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. That was my uh, update with Owen. Everyone go to shivaforpresident.com. Get a bumper sticker. Put it on the back of your windshield. 100,000 people see it. Go to shivaforpresident.com. Download this flyer. Start connecting with your friends and family. And obviously, become a truthfreedomandhealth.com warrior. Be well, be the light. Thank you. See you tomorrow night.